a bit of a theme it feels this morning in the worship songs and I just feel to say to someone here you're looking for an answer and you're hoping for something that's going to wow you you're hoping for something that's going to astound you but what you need to understand is what you need is Jesus it's not a complicated formula it's not some complicated solution to your problem you need to call on Jesus you need to allow Jesus to step into the situation to step into your life you need to loose him to work in your life you need to believe that he cares about you he cares about your situation he already knows what you're facing and he's already got the answer if you'll just call on him so often we try to complicate things so often we want a finger to come out and write on the wall the answer for us we don't need that we just need to call on Jesus we just need to have a conversation with Jesus amen we are absolutely thrilled and honored today to have Reverend Damon Peavy Jr. and his wife Hannah here with us this morning so glad we could get on their calendar Reverend Peavy is the youth pastor at his home church in Charlotte. He's also the youth president for the North Carolina District of the United Pentecostal Church International. So he's a leader among leaders, a young man, yes, but also a man who loves God, loves the Word of God, and is passionate about helping people establish and develop a relationship with God that'll last a lifetime. And so we are so thankful to have him this morning. Brother Peavy, come and take your liberty. I loose you in the anointing of the Spirit to release the Word of God in this place. Come on, somebody. Let's lift up the name of Jesus in this place. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. As you're still standing, and I know that I don't want to keep you standing long, I just want to say uh, two particular things before going to the preliminaries of acknowledgement in the Word of God. First thing I want to say is it's an honor to be here. Uh, the man of God spoke about our calendar. Uh, there's one thing that my wife and I pray, and I want to be where the presence of God is. And the presence of God is at this church. If you don't know that, then let me help you understand that what you're feeling this morning is 100% real. It is the power and the presence of God. This is not a gimmick. This is not a scam. No one is doing this to take your money. But this is here because God wants to save somebody. He wants to deliver somebody. He wants to help somebody. Secondly, let me say this. The best thing you can do is acknowledge him. I'm going to say that again. The best thing you can do is acknowledge him. And let me put that in 2024 vernacular that we understand. If a celebrity walks in the room, we all respond in a unique way. I don't know about you, but... I don't know if you saw the videos and the memes of people, whether Chiefs fan or 49ers fan after the game was over. There was a unique response 
that people was able to give almost organically without anybody ever teaching them. Has anybody ever noticed that? No one has to teach anybody how to respond at a sports event. Nobody has to tell anybody how to respond when they see Pat Mahomes or that ball in the end zone and whoo! It comes out organically. No one has to teach anybody how to how to shout, how to jump. They just they just do it organically, brother. They just they just, whoo! If you're an NBA fan and Steph lets that whoo! And here in America, we think that we have the biggest sports, and globally, soccer is a bigger sport. And nobody has to show the arenas how to respond when the stadiums are filled and they see that goal and the, and the player slides up. Woo! Nobody has to show anybody. Nobody, you don't see somebody standing there and say, okay, now when they kick it in that goal, I want you to clap your hands and then I want you to wave your hands a little bit like this and then that's going to get everybody excited. Everybody does it organically. No matter your favorite player, your favorite athlete, Whoever your favorite celebrity is but somehow our body does not know how to respond to the creator the one who made us somehow we we get timid we get afraid then you look at the person beside you like they're weird for lifting their hands and crying and you back up and then they're preaching and then you start thinking while the preaching's going the singing and you're like Austin's really giving a lot this morning it's a little bit too much. We somehow don't know how to do anything in the presence of God. But I would encourage you for the rest of your life that you would learn how to praise and worship Him. Because if you desire to be with Him in glory, your soul is going to be magnifying the King of kings and the Lord of lords for eternity. So I'd rather know how to praise Him down here on earth. I'd rather know how to lift up my voice on earth and say, God, I give you the glory. I give you the honor. I exalt you. You alone are worthy. God, I'm not afraid. I'm not worried about somebody else thinking weird about me, God. I already know how to praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. To God be the glory. If you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. As you're turning there, I, I want to give honor to where honor is due. You can just feel the great anointing of a great shepherd that you have leading. My wife and I are praying in unity with you all because you can feel the love and admiration for your pastor here. And we're going to continue to believe God with you all for your great shepherd. I know what a great impact he made on my life um, as a young man, uh, being the district youth secretary, and event after event, uh, just pulling me aside, telling me how much he loved and appreciated me even hugging me as I was able to very be privileged in this role uh, what a great man of God you have and it is an honor to stand here to be invited to preach behind this great pulpit of your great shepherd I give honor to brother Barber and his family brother Axel and his family we thank them so much for their standing in the gap leading by example thank the Lord also being in this position I'm so grateful as well for Brother Ogden. Thank you, sir, for how much you do for the Bible quiz in here in North Carolina. Um, I'm sure it's not said enough, but I just want to let you know personally, sir, thank you. Um, a lot of people don't know a lot about me. I cannot say that I was a Bible quizzer. But if you 
cut me and you find out something about me, one thing is I just love the Word of God. I'm just being honest. Somehow, my wife is probably annoyed. I think she told me uh, this morning, pulling in, she said, I think I have almost 100 of your notes in my phone. And I said, because I just love the so- Word so much, I just start talking about the Word. Why were we in the car driving? I'm like, That's, did you realize that God did that? And I'm just weird about the Word of God. So I'm so grateful for a man of God that would endeavor to let our young people Bible quiz and learn the Word of God and continue to lead the way he is. And so I thank you, sir, for your commitment to the kingdom of God. I give honor to where honor is due this morning. Let's read the word of God, 1 Samuel chapter 17, just a few verses, verse 22 uh, through 27. And uh, if you could just walk with me this morning in a story that many of you are probably already uh, comfortable saying you are familiar with. The Bible said, And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath, by the name, by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were sore afraid. Somebody say afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him The king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the man that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? Can we read the Bible and just be honest about what really happened right there? David heard them. He was amazed by what was going to be the reward. He said, Hold on. Repeat that again? So you got to read the word with the understanding that it's not meant to be above our head. It's meant to just, you understand the context. David simply said, time out. Now y'all said that you get riches, a wife, and free taxes basically? He said, hold on now. What shall be done to the man that killed this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? And then boldness entered David. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. We can put our Bibles down and just pray for one moment. God, you are in this place. I come humbly before you, Lord Jesus God, as a vessel, as a servant of your kingdom. God, you have a word for this great congregation. And I just want to be on task to deliver it to every soul that is here that needs to hear this word this morning. I am honored, God. I submit myself to you that you might reign in this place and your word might be declared. We give you the honor and the glory in advance. And God, we ask you, God, to do what you will this morning, God, in the lives of your people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Just as you may may be seated, look at your neighbor beside you and just say, the growth of David. The growth of David. Uh, we are very familiar. Uh, raise your hand if you've been in Sunday school and you just know all the time that story of David and Goliath. Every feel like every year it was repeated almost eight to six times in Sunday school. Every time somebody talks about having faith and conquering giants and somebody brings up David, you don't even know how many more examples and somebody brings a slingshot to, to give the example. You don't, you just like, I've heard this story so many times. I already, I could, I can quote it by ear. And David is a unique character. This morning, I want us to look at the growth of David 
before he became king. Sometimes walking with God, we do not see the humanity of ourselves that God is still moving in. God understands who you are. He made you. He knows the very fibers of your hair. He knows the way that your body and your DNA has even been developed. He did that. He knows how you function. He knows how you breathe. He knows how you think. He knows how you feel. God understands you more than anybody in the world. When you think that no one cares about you, God knows exactly what's going on in your life. When you are convinced that you are at wit's end and you are confident that this is the end of life and depression comes your way and you begin to feel like there's no hope, there is no desire within me to even keep going on. God understands exactly how you feel. He dealt with our infirmities. He, he dealt with our, our insecurities. He dealt with our shortcomings. He understands. He understands exactly. Not even just because he made you, but he also lived on this earth as a man. So what we do is we look for people to define us. We look for people to tell us our worth. We look for people to tell us and remind us that am I, do I mean anything in this world. And God says, I will send somebody to let you know how great you are. Yes. But I need you to hear from me. See, we love David because he did conquer Goliath. He did overcome this great giant. But David was just like you and me, a man. He dealt with struggles. He dealt with issues. And we all understand the story we like to tell at the end of uh, when he became king, the mistake. And we talk about many things. But there is a unique part of David's life that I believe that God has a word for you this morning. That you to see that David had a unique development in his walk with God. Here you know David as the defeater of Goliath. Remember before Goliath, he uh, was just a shepherd boy. He overcame a lion and a bear, and we know these things about him. But now this was 1 Samuel 17. Can we look at 1 Samuel 21? Remember David, somebody say, just beat Goliath. He was, he was a bad mamajam. He was the real deal. But look at what happens with David in four chapters after the giant. David says in verse 8 unto Himalach, and there is not here under thine hand spear or sword. For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. He needs a weapon, he's asking basically. And the priest said, the sword of Goliath the Philistine whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah. Behold, it is here wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. Remember that. That is powerful that he said it's wrapped here behind the ephod. And, and he said, if thou wilt take that, if thou wilt take that, take it. For there is none other save that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it to me. Remember in the story of David and Goliath, David used that very sword to cut off the head of Goliath. He was familiar with that weapon. He was familiar with that particular device. And he says, you know what? Give me that sword. I I'll take that. And he arose. And look at the very next thing that the word of God says. And fled. That day, for fear of Saul. I hope you're still with me this morning. 
I'm, I'm taking a walk a little bit different this morning for you to see and connect the dots of Scripture. He had just stood before a giant of a man. And he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. He had just been freshly anointed basically a chapter ago and he's confident in this moment and he stands before this giant and he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord and he throws the slingshot and he knocks the giant down and he cuts off the head. David, right? This is the same man. Four chapters after defeating a giant, he's running away. From the priest because he's saying, I don't even want Saul to catch me. I know what I did four chapters ago. But it's hard for me to remember that. Because what I'm going through today seems more difficult than the giant I fought back in 17. Somebody, you're going through something that you don't overcome a giant back in chapter 17. But in chapter 21, you're afraid of something in your life that has arisen up and you are running because you're saying, God, I'm afraid of this situation. I'm afraid of this circumstance. Don't talk to me about the giant. Don't bring up Goliath. That doesn't mean it. I'm afraid of what can happen tomorrow. David arose and fled for the fear of Saul. Does anybody see where he went? Where was Goliath from? Gath. Look where David fled to. He went to Achish, the king of Gath. He defeated Gath's greatest warrior. And in the fear of Saul of what was coming his way he ran into the very place that Goliath came from Uh, what are you running to today see that's why they were singing about Jesus this morning because somebody you're running to everything and every place but you haven't yet run to the altar to get Jesus you're afraid of something that's happening in your life you have tried everything You have ran to the store. You have ran to the bar. You have ran every place. You have ran to every situation of even things that you have overcome in your past. You've ran back to sins. You've ran back to transgressions. You've you've ran back to things, but you haven't yet run to Jesus because of fear. And yet, God just delivered you from something so great. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, is not this David, the king of the land? Anybody catch that? David wasn't king. David was not king. He was just a great warrior. But what they thought about him was, (laughs) that joker, if he just did what he did to Goliath, That's a king to us. He didn't even understand what they thought about him. He didn't even process what they thought of. Do you know what he just did? People that are not the children of Israel. People that we would say are people of the world. Carnal people that talk about you differently. They talked about David in a compliment way. They said, king, do you know who that is? 
He said, who is that? That's the dude that beat your best warrior. He's a king. They didn't describe him as what he was. They described him as what he was going to become. See, some of you, you don't want to be too saved yet. Because if you get too saved, if you get too, you get called out, you get too holy, you get too righteous with God, you're afraid of what people are going to call you. You know who that is? That's a, that's a child of God. You know who that is? That's a, that's a man of God. You know who that is? That's a woman of God. You know who that is? They're, they're committed to God. You, you don't want to commit all the way because you don't want people to describe you by what you're going to become. Atabo. No, no, no. I don't want nobody to know that I've been changed all the way yet. I don't want nobody to know that I've been delivered all the way yet. I, I don't want nobody to know that I've been called out all the way yet. I don't want anybody to know that I don't do that anymore. Oh, don't, don't call me that. They begin to describe David. They said, did they not sing one to another of him in dances? They done heard about how Israel was talking about David. They said Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands and David laid up these words in his heart. He done heard all these compliments and was so afraid of Akish, the king of Gath. He's thinking, oh no, they out here bragging on me, talking about me, saying that I'm the king of the land, saying I done slain thousands. Now he running from Saul, but then his flesh just kicks into an extra gear. And says, oh no, what would a kish do to me? So now I'm not just afraid of a kish. I'm afraid of, I'm not just afraid of Saul, excuse me. I'm also afraid of a kish. But look what David did. The Bible said he changed his behavior before them. And feigned himself mad in their hands. And scrabbled on the doors of the gate. And let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said a kish to his servants, Lo. Ye see, the man is mad. Wherefore then hath ye brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that ye have brought this fellow to, the, to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Akish was saying, this can't be the guy. This can't be the man. The man that y'all telling me beat Goliath, overcome ten thousands. This man is crazy. Oh, stay with me. David put on a crazy act because of fear. David became a madman because of fear. I've come to ask you this question this morning. What does fear have you doing? What does fear have you thinking? What does fear have you contemplating? And what behavior does fear have you acting in? David was the same man that the bottle of anointing oil is poured on his head to become king. He comes out of the situation of becoming king. And he stands right there in the big field and sees Goliath coming. And he says, I can fight him. And in four chapters later, he's not just running from Saul, but running from Achish. To the fact that in the running, 
he acted and became a whole nother person. God is about to pull somebody out of a pit this morning. You are beginning to act in a way that's not even becoming of you. You're looking in the mirror in the morning, and you don't even know who you are. You're saying, why am I thinking this way? Why am I acting this way? Why am I treating my spouse like this? Why am I talking to my wife like this? Why am I talking to my children like this? Why am I talking to my husband like this? Why am I going to work like this? Why am I trying to hide the fact that I believe in Jesus? Why am I trying to hide the fact that I know that God is real? Why, when I put the clothes on in the morning, do I not want to be recognized as a child of God? Somebody this morning has found yourself in a pit and you put on enough clothes this morning. You did your hair just right and you come in just great and you just hoping that nobody knows exactly where you are. You say, if I can just come to church this morning and I can just hear the word of God, if I can shout with the music, if I can dance and I can shake somebody's hand, if somebody would just give me a hug this morning and let me know that I mean something to them, it'll get me through the rest of the day. But you're finding out it isn't working. It hasn't been working since last month. It hasn't been working since December. You've been struggling with this for over three to four months and you keep putting yourself together saying, what's going on? I'm so afraid of what's coming my way. But you said this message is about the growth of David. It is. Because in chapter 21, that's not who we always stayed as. This is all in 1 Samuel. We're not even at the point that he became king yet. Now all of a sudden, we go nine more chapters ahead. And we're in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now this is crazy. Now he didn't defeated a giant. He didn't overcome a lion and a bear. Now he's afraid in the middle of 21. But watch chapter 30. Verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day. The Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten, and smitten Ziklag. And burned it with fire. And had taken the women captives that, there were, that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away. And went on their way. Somebody say God allowed it. I know we don't like to say that, but you got to catch this. God allowed that for a reason. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Somebody's here this morning, you done cried. There's a song that says, you done cried your last tear. He said, I ain't got no more tears to cry. I'm so exhausted and distraught at what has happened. And David's two wives were taken captives. Ahinoam and the Jezreelite and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. Now we say this all the time. We do realize stoning don't mean people were picking up little pebbles and throwing them at them. Get out of here, David. Give me a rock. Oh, they weren't talking about throwing little pebbles at him. They wanted to bury the man alive. They wanted to ensure that this man, they basically saying, when we say stone you, we're talking about killing you. 
And we're talking about killing you in such a painful way just to accommodate our feeling of hate towards you. Some of us don't realize the devil has that type of strategy towards us. He said, I hate you. Come to steal, kill, and destroy. I can't stand you. I, I want to destroy your life. I, I want you to quit living for God. I, I want you to throw in the towel. I want you to give up. I, I just want to take you out. But yet the story wasn't finished. It said, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But. Oh, shut up. But. Somebody say but. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You've got to catch what's happened from 17 to 30. He was big, bad, and able to be defeated by Goliath. He knocked Goliath out, killed him. He gets to chapter 21. He's afraid of Saul. He's afraid of Achish. But he gets to chapter 30. And when everybody wanted to kill him, he said, I done figured something out. I know what I did back in 21, but I ain't running no more. I know what I did back in 21. I acted like a crazy man. I ain't doing that no more. I know what I did back in 21. I was afraid of what Saul was going to do to me. I was afraid of what Akish was going to do to me. I know what I did back in 21, but I ain't that man no more. I wish I had some people in Fuquay that said, I'm not that man no more. I'm not that woman no more. I'm not that person no more. I know who I used to be last year. I know what I did before. I know that I wanted to throw in the towel. I know I ran from church. I know I backslid. I know I walked away from God. I know I did all that, but I'm not that person anymore. You know who I am? I'm a child of God. Do you know who I am? I'm the person that has the capability to encourage myself in the Lord. I'm the individual. When I think back over all that God has done for me, I get to get up and say, you want to kill me. But God, I'm not going anywhere. Oh, God's got a blessing for somebody. You might have to praise your way through. The music may not be perfect enough for you. You may not feel the perfect song. It may not hit the perfect key. But you're going to have to start coming to church. And you're going to have to pull yourself up and say, I got to encourage myself in the law. Ah, God you did it for me back then you can do it again when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me when I think back over my life every, everything he brought me through you've been too good to me God Oh, you may be seated just for a moment this morning. You've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. 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 You say you're just repeating the same word. I know I am because it's Bible. I ain't got to add nothing or take nothing away from it. You've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Husbands, before you go off on your wife because you're mad at what happened at work, why don't you look in the mirror and say, God has been good to me so I can treat my family right talk to my wife right talk to my kids right you've been good to me you've been good to me I may not have the money I want but I got a job to work I may not have the car I want but I got a car to get to work I got a house over my head you've been good to me 
Oh, you looking at me saying, Brother PV, it's easy for you to preach that way. You ain't maybe been through anything this year. You're just a young man. You hadn't gone through anything. You don't know anything about the struggles of life. That's what I'm preaching to you about this morning. I'm not going to promise you that it's going to get easy. I'm not going to promise you that life is easy. You're going to go through some things. You're going to battle some things. But though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Somebody's got to get a commitment to God. I'm not going anywhere. Shut up. Even in, a, even in a year God's been it's been a struggle for my wife and I but every day we keep looking at each other and saying I will encourage ourselves in the Lord last year on the way to church preparing for a youth service somebody blasted the car going over 50 miles an hour knocked the car over all the way almost 50 feet up before even turning to the church parking lot oh my goodness still in legal affair still dealing with things going to the chiropractor for over nine months but I remember that God told me my back was messed up they showed the picture of what my hips looked like and I remember thinking God I was so discouraged I was so distraught can I be honest with you I'm not even going to be spiritual I was so distraught I told my wife my exercise I like to play basketball I was like I don't even want to go play basketball I don't even feel like it this is this is difficult and I said, this is tough, babe. My, my back doesn't feel good. And uh, my wife was in school. And all of a sudden, uh, she began to suffer with things looking at the computer and trying to finish her, her classes. And her, her wrists began to go through different types of pain. And, and the school began to tell her uh, in her master's degree, they said, hey, uh, we're going to kick you out because uh, you ain't completing your program. You ain't completing the homework yet. Uh, we're going to get rid of you. You got to get out of this program. Uh, you're not done. You, you're not doing everything you need to do. And then while we're thinking, God, uh, we go to church. Uh, keep ministering to young people. Keep praying for them. Uh, not trying to get into depression not talking down at home not fussing at each other and making each other the problem but saying babe we got to figure it out we got to live for the lord we had one car left and my wife went to go pick up a young lady for church coming to church just for a kid's service halfway on the interstate Oh, spilling out the car. Engine rod goes through the car. Car is completely done for. Different things was going wrong with that car. Now we're down to not just one car, but zero cars. Then I go Then I go see one of my good friends. His father's a man of God. Just passed away. Great pastor. Great bishop. Go down to the funeral to be there with my friend. To be a comfort. To be a support. Get back home. Get back in the house. And I look at the window. And I'm looking. And I say, why in the world it look like a rodent and crawl through my curtain? That's a hole in my curtain. What in the world? It looked like somebody to gnaw through the curtain. And I'm looking, I'm saying, my first thought was, some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You come from certain places. That better not be no bug. You know who you are. That better not be no critter. Somebody called exterminator. Matter of fact, get all the clothes off the floor. Get off the floor. Get, every, get everything up. We leave it. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. You, you from certain you from, from some places. You be like, uh-uh, I ain't going back. I remember what it was like moving to Concord. My parents, we first moved to that apartment. I thank God that we got a house later on. God is good. All of a sudden, though, I'm looking at that curtain. I said, hey, no way. My wife is behind, and she's moving stuff, and she's not, she don't even see it. And I said, if I tell her that I think a critter done crawled through the curtain, she going to take off running. <laughs> so I'm looking, and something made my head turn. And I'm looking at the curtain, and I just went like this. And there was a hole in the, in the wall right behind me. 
And I said, there ain't no critter that crawled in the air. There's nobody, there's no critter that can go through the air and through the other wall. And I started to process it. I said, that is a, that's a bullet hole. Somebody done shot my house. So my wife comes in the room and I said, uh, babe, you know, relax a little bit, you know. I mean, just, let me, uh, just turn around real quick. She's like, turn around what? I said, just look at the curtain. She looked at the curtain, her eyes got this big. She said, oh, no. What is that? And I said, now turn around and look at that. And she saw that hole and she knew too. She said, oh, no. Somebody shot our house. So first thing we do, we got to call the police. Call my parents, let them know something's going on. I go downstairs, though, and I go downstairs. All of a sudden, I just so happen to look at the wall downstairs. There's a hole in the wall downstairs. There's a hole in my ceiling. Right where the master bedroom was at. I realized that somebody had basically driven by our house, did a drive-by, and shot two times at our house. But here's the miracle. We weren't there. So it's easy for me to get discouraged and complain and say, this is horrible. But God, you still been good to me. Can I tell you a secret? Still going through the ear. Still don't have the car that we want yet. Still don't have all the transportation yet. Still dealing with job things. But my wife graduated from the master's program. They didn't kick her out because God is still good. My back's been healed. You know why I can say that? I still got an opportunity to run the house. Leap for joy. I get to say, God, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. God never promised you that it'd be easy. God never promised you that, it'd be, that it would be a smooth, uh, smooth walk. But he said, if you would live for me, if you would serve me, I promise you that I'll bring you through. He said, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. But let me give you something. You may be seated. I'm almost done. Let me give you something that's going to help you endure. You need the Holy Ghost. And if you have the Holy Ghost, somebody in here, you need to activate your Holy Ghost. Stop letting your Holy Ghost lay dormant. You need to begin to speak in tongues, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. It is a necessity. You need it for salvation, except you're born of the water and of the Spirit. You cannot enter to the kingdom of heaven. I'm not preaching something to you that is to make you feel bad. It's the Word of God. If you don't have the Holy Ghost inside of you, living in you, you cannot make it living for God. And how do you know that you have the Holy Ghost? By the evidence of speaking other tongues. I know what the world is telling people. I've heard it all, all the way in Charlotte. We live in a different city. People tell folk in Charlotte that they have the Holy Ghost because they have the fruit of the Spirit. No, 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 no. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The evidential sign that you have the Holy Ghost is the initial sign of when you begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit giveth you utterance. That Holy Ghost is something you need because you can't make it. Why do I need it because it's God's spirit living inside of me it's giving me the strength that I don't have it's giving me the ability I don't have it's giving me the joy I don't have it's giving me the peace I don't have it's giving me the love I don't have I need the Holy Ghost 
John 14, 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in what? My name. That's what we've been singing about the name of Jesus. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I've said unto you, the Holy Ghost is a comforter. When you're going through the battle of life from chapter 17 of David to 21 to 30, the Holy Ghost comforts you. The Holy Ghost consoles you. The Holy Ghost advocates for you. And can I tell you something, honey? The Holy Ghost, it intercedes for you. Oh, when you don't know what to pray, when you don't know what to do, I don't know. I wish I had a mother in the church that knew life has been throwing all types of things, but she just walked in the house. I remember my mom would just walk in the house and lift up her hands and begin to begin to prophesy and begin to speak the name of Jesus. She would begin to walk to the downstairs kitchen and begin to speak in tongues. She would begin to intercede for my father as he was pastoring. She would intercede for me in the spirit. I remember being all the way upstairs in my house. I kept can I tell the mothers and the fathers don't stop praying in your home I remember being upstairs in my house I'm just a kid like everybody else and I remember being on the video game playing a little bit of Madden when I hear my mama praying and even while playing Madden I, was, oh, I can feel the Holy Ghost moving in the house and I would try to keep playing okay yeah, some of young people need to be honest your flesh kicking turn it, turn it up but I couldn't I couldn't drown out mama's prayers I couldn't drown out daddy's prayers I'll hear daddy in the mornings oh Jesus oh Jesus oh Jesus I'd hear mama in the living room speaking in tongues interceding all over again and it would get me out of the house it would get me down the stairs and I would end up in the living room with mama and daddy and I'd start praying with them because I couldn't resist what I felt Romans 8 26 says likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what she would what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit itself make an intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the spirit because he make an intercession for the saints according to the will of God can I tell you something? Uh, even in what your pastor is going through, uh, do you want to know why you're still here? Uh, because he's a man of God. Uh, when he doesn't even know the words to say, that uh, he's interceding in the spirit for you. Uh, even while he's going through, uh, saying, Lord, save their soul. Lord, heal their mind. Lord, deliver their bodies. Lord, keep them out of the prison of sin. Lord, deliver them. Somebody's interceding for you somebody lift your hands I'm almost done this morning the musicians you can begin to come somebody just lift your hands this morning just for a moment Jesus. Oh, I've been in church. I can honestly say all my life, but I'm telling you what I know. There's a supernatural move of the Holy Ghost in this place, but God will not force you to get your breakthrough. God will not force you to speak in tongues. 
God will not force you to praise him. God will not force you to worship him. All we need sometimes, the Bible says, where two or three are gathered together in my name. All you need sometimes is two or three folk that just know how to get a hold of God. You just sometimes need two or three folk that just know how to get a hold of the presence of God. And some others begin to come along and say, I got to get my miracle. Some folk got to come along like the woman with the issue of blood and press through the crowd, press through to the altar. I've just got to get my deliverance. I've just got to get my healing. Brother Peavy, is this a word that I'm going to come out? I can't promise you that you're going to come out. But I promise you that you have the ability with the Holy Ghost to encourage yourself in the Lord. I cannot promise you that it's going to stop. But I promise you that God said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're praying for the storm to end. That's easy for God. He's praying for you. He wants to fix your spirit. He's trying to fix your heart. He's trying to fix your mind. He was working on David from 17 all the way to 30. That when everybody wanted to stone him, David could begin to encourage himself in the Lord. You ever realize that's why David could be the one that wrote Psalms 23? Just look at verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. He didn't say, yea, though I walk through the valley of death. He said the shadow of death. At times in your life, death does try to come. But it's just a shadow. Death has no hold over you. Fear has no hold over you. Death is even in the power, in the hands of God. He still controls it all. He said, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. But watch how he ends the verse. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You ever really thought about it? I got spankings as I was a kid. My, my mom had a, my, dad, my mom and daddy had a, uh, like a two by four. Used to it'd be a long wooden. I never forget going to Lowe's with my father, and he was walking down the aisle. And he said, "I want that one." He said, "I want you to look at that. That's what I'm going to be." And we used to put it in the in the doorway of the back of the house. And anytime I got in trouble, my parents just look at me and say, "Go get that out of the." back patio you carrying this thing is long from your hip to the floor <laughs> you looking at them like the audacity that you have to beat me they weren't beating me in abuse I know the world wants to talk about this and make it abuse it ain't abuse it's biblical that's abuse when you do it out of anger it's abuse when you do it out of animosity to your children. That is abuse. You just beating them because you're fed up with them. I can't stand you! <laughs> Believe it or not, kids remember that. And then they're stuck in their heads so they don't feel the love of God. Stop telling your kids that you love them after you done beat them and you're like, I can't. You're you are going to be nothing in life. And your kid is like, and he's like, I love you. That ain't love. It's not. 
I remember the greatest revelation I got as a, as a young person. The young people don't use this at home because I don't want y'all to get in trouble. But in Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible said, children, obey your parents in the Lord. I grew up all my life in church, and I heard that scripture every conference, every, children, obey your parents. Obey them. I'm like, I got to obey them. All of a sudden, I was reading the Bible, and I saw the next verse. It said, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. I started shouting. Don't provoke me! Don't go home and use that because somebody going to say, well, the PV told me to tell my mama, don't provoke me! Don't take the Bible out of context. But what I mean by that scripture is sometimes parents, parents, I've seen it in Charlotte where we live, parents just get angry at their children. Discipline them out of love. Discipline because you love them. Discipline them because you want to guide them. Discipline them because they need the word of God in their life, guiding them to live a life that's pleasing to him. But I say that because notice David said, thy rod and thy staff. In other words, he's saying, the thing that comforted me, he didn't say, thy hug comforted me. He didn't even say, thy presence comforted me. In other words, he's basically saying sometimes, hey, it's a little bit of correction, God, that's getting me right. You know why David can say that, though? He was a shepherd. He understood that he didn't hate the sheep if he would guide them back on the path of the rest of them. Take that rod and the staff and nudge them back. He understood that it wasn't about the abuse, but it was about the love. Sometimes where God is taking you, it doesn't always feel good. But he's trying to clean you up. He's trying to iron out some things in your life. Ever read that verse? Created me a the growth of David. The growth of David. Somebody stand this morning. There's growth in this house. And I'm not just talking about the numerical growth that God can send this church, but I'm talking about the spiritual growth for every soul in this building. There's growth in this house. But as you come to these altars this morning, I don't want you to go through the formality of sadness. I want you to begin to lift up your voice and begin to encourage yourself in the Lord. And as you begin to praise him, as you begin to magnify him, as you begin to glorify him, there becomes the strength of the Holy Ghost that begins to pull you up out of that pit. And you begin to say, God, I still can praise you. God, I still can magnify you. God, I still can glorify you. Create an atmosphere of praise. And for those of you that come this morning, you don't have the Holy Ghost. Nobody's looking at you like you're weird. Nobody's looking at you like you're an outcast. But you get to come to this great altar too. Or if you even at your seat, somebody can pray for you. And if you just lift up your hands and you begin to open up your mouth and you begin to adore the Lord. You begin to acknowledge Jesus. You begin to say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Repent as Acts 2.38 said. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus. You begin to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Lord, I've done some things in my life, Lord, that is not pleasing to you. And as you repent, you begin to magnify the Lord. You begin to praise him. 
Somebody might be praying with you. You might begin to feel something you never felt before. You might begin to hear the words that you never heard before. Your tongue might begin to change. Don't quench the spirit. Don't resist what God is doing. It's not anything weird. It's not anything crazy. It's the spirit of God that's going to give you the endurance to grow in him. Somebody begin to come to this altar, and as you come, begin to come with magnifying in your voice. Come with praise in your lips. Come with joy in your spirit. Begin to come. Come unto him. The Bible even says, all you that labor, and I'll give you rest. Begin to come right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody begin to glorify God this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Somebody begin to lift up your voice. Somebody begin to praise him. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Come on, somebody. Magnify Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, I need you this morning, God. I'll encourage myself in you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, begin to encourage somebody in the Holy Ghost this morning, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord.